get it? Text a message, I don't know the number. Flexing on these niggas, every bone and muscle. All right, welcome in. This is the Sauce MQ podcast. My name is Jack Burns, and today I have Charles Burns with me. Um, how are we doing today, Charles? Doing pretty good. How are you, Sauce? Oh, not too bad. It's another day. It's another day. Um, all right, so we're going to start off with the basics here. Uh, Charles, just give me a little rundown. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, um, well, I've been ra- I was raised in Missoula, Montana, and I uh, played high school basketball in Missoula for uh, fighting running Rams. Um, and then after that, um, now I play for uh, Northern Arizona in a huge Division One basketball program in uh, the Big Sky. So that's where I'm at now. Awesome, awesome. And then, yeah, real quick, just just take us through, you know, essentially the day to day life of a Division One basketball player. You know, what your morning routines start out with, and just yeah, take us through your day. Well, you know, depending on the day of the week, you know, if you're talking in the beginning of the season you know, or before the season, you know, it consists of you know weights. Um, four days a week and practice six days a week. And um, that can look like a bunch of different things. You know, practice is, you know, usually about two hours, two hours a day. So, you know, just going through that and we have our, our time slot um, as a, you know, athletic program, because of course we have to share the facilities with um, other sports like volleyball and whatnot. But, um, and then after that, it's, it's just school and, and, and study hall, just like, you know, any other um, normal student. Um, but as for like the basketball side of it, it's just, you know, a lot of weights, a lot of reps, a lot of, um, preparation for, for, um, for games and whatnot as we're getting into the season right now. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, so obviously the biggest thing that's happened at least to the NCAA over the course of the last year is, um, COVID having a pretty significant impact on the NCAA and how operations are kind of run. Um, obviously, at the beginning of last year, there was no COVID. Uh, so kind of take us through the differences between what you're having to do now as to pre-COVID. Um, well, you know, it's, it's funny you ask that because it's like I was actually just talking about this with a friend. And that's what everyone, you know, being an athlete and being, you know, a lot of high schools teams don't even get to play. So, you know, a lot of people ask, like, well, what's like and and um, the main thing that comes to mind is like I took I took last year so like for granted, you know, with having fans and, and like you don't you don't realize like the big of a difference until it's until it's actually gone. So it's quite a significant difference. Just the games alone, you know, not having fans and it just kind of it's I feel like it's a different game. You know, personally, it's like when fans are there, you, you know, d- different momentum swings for both teams. Um but as for everything outside of that, you know, not even not even the games itself, but practice and, and everything the athletic department has, has to do and the trainers have to do to make sure, you know, protocol wise, it's it's extensive and it's long and it's it, it takes forever sometimes. Like we get tested probably two times a week now that we're in season, three times a week now that we're in season. Um, so like when we travel, as soon as we touch down and uh, in a place, we'll we'll get tested and right before we take off, we get tested and. So, you know, nothing gets, nothing's getting past the, the NCAA right now. So it's, it's, I guess the main thing to take away from last year, which was just a completely different experience my freshman year to this year, my sophomore year is, is just what, what we all took for, took for granted um, having fans. Yeah, and then course. obviously with, with COVID, no one expected, expected that. No, absolutely not, man. Uh, yeah, that's definitely interesting to talk, uh, hear about at least just because 
you know, from an outsider's perspective, yeah, it is a bummer not seeing those fans there. But um, actually being, you know, inside of that, having fans previously and being in an atmosphere with fans and now without, I can only imagine that's probably a pretty significant difference. Oh, absolutely. Um, and another thing with that, too, it's like um, when, when you when you're like going to a game or, or like before the game, you start seeing the fans kind of. Um, you know, load into the, into the stadium, right? Or into the stadium and you're like, well, you know, it gets you a little more nervous or, or, you know, it gets you going a little bit more. And it's like, excited. These yeah. games, it just seems, it just seems a lot more like a, like a scrimmage than anything, you know? And it's kind of weird, yeah. but you know, it, it, you know, it's a game, but just a feel to it. I don't know. Yeah. No, absolutely. That, that totally makes sense. Now, obviously, being a Division One basketball program, you do play against a lot of like great talents. You guys played against Arizona this year, um, who's obviously an always an elite Pac uh, Pac twelve school. Um, and then, of course, you played against the number one team in the nation, Gonzaga. So, can you kind of compare that talent level of playing against the number one team in the nation um, against what you've previously played against? Because obviously, Gonzaga is by far the best team in the NCAA this year, and having a shot, most likely, of being one of the top two teams in the country and playing in that national championship. So kind of just give me a rundown yeah. of what that talent level looks like. Yeah, absolutely. There. So Gonzaga playing Arizona first, like we, we thought in our opinion, we had a, you know, legit chance of, and a lot, a lot of big sky teams played Arizona and, and they played them close. So we had a legit chance of beating them. We didn't perform the way we obviously wanted to, but um, Arizona, we, we had, we had a shot of actually, you know, beating that team. I thought, but with Gonzaga, they're just they're so talented and like the the way they push the pace and there's just so many problems you have to deal with. Which, you know, as a team, like of course you believe that, you know, you, you want to believe you're gonna win every single game and we treated it like such. And but with Gonzaga, they're just so talented. Like they didn't even have they didn't even play Suggs, Jalen Suggs, and you know, we, we still lost by thirty. But um cover the spread though. <laughs> That's what matters, right? Great teams cover, but yeah, yeah. Um, but with with guys that are like so NBA ready that could today walk onto an NBA court and play, it's just like a it's like how do you prepare for that? And it, it's, it's so tough. Like guys like Corey Kispert, that's like well, he, and he played limited minutes as well, and we we held him to eight points, I think it was on thirty minutes of play, roughly or twenty five minutes of play, and yeah. which was great, but. Like guys like that that are just, you know, like how do you defend that? Like our whole game, our whole defensive game plan was around him. And it's like he's not, you know, they could easily give it up to the next player, which they did, and and score with them. So it's just a different level of from Big Sky to jump into the number, literally the one number one team in the country. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, it was a tough go of it, but. Yeah, I'm sure it's like night and day as far as the difference of talent levels there. I mean, yeah, Gonzaga is obviously loaded. Um, I mean, they've pretty much throttled every single team they've played this year from Virginia to, you know, a tough Iowa team. Uh, they've thoroughly impressed me. And in my, in my opinion, they're arguably the one of the best college basketball teams within the last decade as far as the way they're performing right now. Um, yeah, absolutely, no, phenomenal. absolutely. Absolutely. I think they're better than than that. Um, the team that ended up going to to the national championship against North Carolina. Yeah. Um, a lot deeper and a lot a lot more athletic too i mean just watching their games man they're so fast and yeah boy they can shoot too and that guard they got in Jalen suggs is a real floor general right now and i was actually a little disappointed that we you know we didn't get to we didn't get to play against him i was you know interested to see how how he would do and 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 and, you know just watch him play because he's projected first round right now 
and um, yeah, I mean, he's, proje- he's projected a top five pick, right? So, I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. obviously, someone with that talent, how could you not want to watch someone like that play? Um, all right, so moving on a little bit, Charles. Um, obviously, you know, the NBA has shaken up a little bit over the past week, um, with James Harden moving to Brooklyn, um, I guess getting traded to Brooklyn in a four team trade. Um, so how do you think that impacts, I guess, the Eastern Conference as far as obviously a you know, top three or four player from the West moving over to the Eastern Conference, which I'm not going to say isn't as strong as the West, but um, as far as team-wise, probably isn't as deep. No, I think, I mean, the West is just so is loaded. And unfortunately with like, you know, it could have been even more loaded with Clay Thompson being out. But even besides that, like yeah. the West is just loaded. But um, with this whole, you know, Harden going to Brooklyn, I think, you know, it's, it's a big deal that Harden went to Brooklyn. But, like, I think that there's a big emphasis on Kyrie Irving right now, too, and how he's going to fit. And if he is going to, you know, no one even knows where he is. Like, I don't <laughs> – so it's like that's – I think that's kind of a big concern for, for, the, for the Nets. But I think, I think it's going to work. I, I really do. I think that um, besides all the big, you know, um, personalities on this team – um, which is surprising enough. KD has to be the leader on this team, but um, I think it, I think it is going to work. They're so offensively powerful that it's going to be so tough for a team to defend them. And they, they like defense. They definitely like defense. Like there's no no question about it. But like I, I don't even know a game plan surrounded by those three in the in the game at all at the same time. Like I don't know a game plan where you can defend all three of those at the same time. No, absolutely, and I, I agree with you. I mean, people are trying to question Kevin Durant and James Harden playing together, and I think it's a little bit ridiculous just because, A, they have played together before. Now, yes, James Harden wasn't playing at the same level he was you know, 10 years ago, um, playing at a lot higher level now, but Kevin Durant's played the superstars before, right? I mean, he won two NBA finals with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. I don't necessarily think Kevin Durant's going to be the issue, and I don't think James Harden's going to be the issue. I think the uh, this season's going to ride a lot on Kyrie Irving, right? Um, because here's the deal. I mean, with James Harden now, I think there's a lot less pressure on him in the playoffs just because he's not the number one guy, right? If James Harden doesn't play good, you can still have Kevin Durant and Kyrie to fall back on. But, um, my only worry with Brooklyn is their depth as far as giving up. I mean, three significant bench players and Jared Allen, Karis Levert and Teron Prince, and then also losing Spencer Dinwiddie out for the season. Um, we haven't seen a team in a while that um, obviously besides that 17 Golden State team that wasn't deep, that was able to win the NBA Finals, right? I mean, even the 15-16 Cavs were able to have a pretty significant bench uh, as far as, you know, some guys like J.R. Smith and Shannon Fry and those guys playing pretty significant roles coming off the bench there for Cleveland. So I think depth is definitely going to be an issue, especially if you're making a deep run into the playoffs um, for Brooklyn. Yeah, you know, absolutely, and, and it's it's just that that def- like defensively, like they've got to find someone. They have DeAndre Jordan, and and Joe Harris has got to step up too. But it's like it's it's big time. Joe Harris is a big offensive player for the Nets, and they don't need you know they don't need offense anymore. Clearly, um, than 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 they do with Katie and Harden and Kyrie. So I think I I totally agree with you. Like they have to pick up someone they have to do something because uh, I don't think they're deep enough I really don't but I do I do think it's going to work in the extent that they're going to take it pretty far in the playoffs um I'm not I can't I think it's too far away to say right now that they're going to you know make it to the finals I think there's a lot of, there's still tough teams 
and the and the East. Absolutely. But it's it's a tough call right now. And, and and who are those who are those tough teams in the East? I mean, you know, obviously once again we're still three or four months away from the playoffs and a lot can happen in between then. But I mean, who are those top teams in the East that you see making it to the Eastern Conference Finals, I guess, that uh are going to be competitive coming down the stretch later into the playoffs. Well, I think that, I mean, the Bucks are always looking for, for revenge, of course, after the absolutely embarrassing um, display against the heat. That was a shock, I think, to the NBA world. Absolutely. And, and, and the Celtics as well. I think the Bucks and the Celtics, and I, I want to throw the Sixers in there, but it's like every single year, like the Sixers are in talk of winning the Eastern conference finals and they have yet to, to, um, do so or even you make, you know, it. make a significant run right to even make it to the eastern conference spots right so so it's tough for me to even bring them up right now is simmons going to stay healthy is you know there's so much factors Joel, to the yeah. right there's so many factors to the 76ers so i think it's i don't know if i necessarily would put them in there but the i think the bucks and, and the celtics are are big contenders in that so i think and the raptors of course raptors have a really slow start this season and I don't, I don't. They got to pick it up. I, I mean, I don't know if this is going to be a trend, but we'll, we'll just have to see. I mean, losing guys like for the Raptors, losing Marcus Saul, and you're also losing Sergey Bach. I mean, those are your two significant big men. Um, I had a feeling it was going to be a downfall for them. Um, but yeah, I think with Philly, it's an interesting point, just because. I mean, if you were a Sixers fan, boy, I, you know, some people are like thank goodness that they didn't trade Ben Simmons for James Harden, but I mean. If I was a Sixers fan, that's what I would have wanted. I'm so if I was a Sixers fan, I'd be tired of watching Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid try to figure this thing out. You know, I, at some point, it's like, do you know what? This just isn't going to work, and we got to move on. I think Daryl uh, Morey stepping up as now their owner is a really big deal, um, just mostly because he's a guy that really likes to change, change things up. Right. I mean, he was in Houston. He was one of the first guys to really bring small ball into the league and really introduce it. Um, and now obviously hiring a new coach with doc rivers. I, I just think we're going to see a change up in Philly within the next year or so, just because I don't think Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are their guys. Now, which one to keep, that's going to be a debate for long after the trades even done. Right. right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be a struggle for, for Philly. All right, let, let's move on to another team that took part in this trade. Obviously, Houston, um, with them receiving, uh, first of all, Karis LeVert and shipping off Karis LeVert for Victor Lodipo from Indiana. So they received Victor Lodipo. They received three first round picks from Brooklyn. And then they also received another three uh, pick swaps from Brooklyn. So in total, six total picks and Victor Lodipo. I think this is a big, big win for. Um, Houston, especially knowing James Harden was already on his way out. I mean, they received quite the haul from uh, Brooklyn, obviously. Yeah, no doubt. I think, and it, it's kind of similar. It reminds me a lot of the trade that um, Brooklyn made with with Boston with all these picks. Like this could turn out so yep. well for the Rockets. And you're gonna like just statistically, you're gonna have a couple duds in that first round that that was draft picks. That's just like a statistical thing, right? But you're bound to pick up someone that's going to be a franchise player or um, a very solid role player or a young, promising player, or even trading like you I mean you can trade with those. Eight, I mean, six picks. So it's it's. Uh, I think in the long term, the Rockets could absolutely win this trade. I think that's very significant. Yeah. No, I I 100% agree with that. I mean, you look back to Boston. Um, 
I mean, it's, it's going to be a waiting game for Houston, just like it's going to be for Oklahoma City. Um, as far as that aspect goes, um, obviously Brooklyn needs to win now. If Brooklyn's not winning within the next two years, they're going to view this trade as a huge loss. Um, I think Houston wins this trade either way because, you know, four or five years from now, I don't think Brooklyn's going to be the contenders they are now. And next thing you know, the Brooklyn Nets are going to be a 15-21 team and the Rockets are going to have a top five pick, you know, for three or four years straight, similar to Boston. Um, And obviously Boston receiving Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown out of that was huge. And then one of the picks that Brooklyn also traded them was involved in the Kyrie Irving trade. So Boston obviously was huge. I mean, significantly won that trade because they ended up trading up, trading a washed up Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Jason Terry. Right. So yeah, overall, it, I think it honestly, was- it's not it directly similar. Like I mean, James Harden, you know, is in his prime. You know, arguably maybe a year peak, out of his yes. prime, right? Peak of his prime, and um, so I mean, it's not it's not a direct correlation with Pierce and Garnett as they were getting older, and that trade no. did not work out for for um, Brooklyn whatsoever, but. Um, but it's similar think, in the aspect of picks and that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this trade can work out for, for the Nets and the Rockets for sure this year. I mean, I mean, Rockets down the road, but this, the Nets this year. Um, but it's just got to be – it's got to be Steve Nash controlling the personalities. I think that's a big a big deal in that. So, yeah, And I think just the solo personality of of – Kyrie. I mean, I watched an interview with James Harden last night after the game, and he's just like, yeah, it's nice being able to play with a top-level player. So I think James Harden just had a big personality in Houston because it's got to get tired losing and losing and losing um, over and over again, obviously, in the playoffs. So I'm sure he's just happy to be with a player as talented as Kevin Durant and now Kyrie Irving. Um, that's got to be a great feeling for him. Now let's move on to a couple other teams that participated in this trade. Um, I think one team that just kind of like came out of nowhere was Cleveland trading, yeah. you know, the Bucks 2022 first round draft pick and Dante Exum. And in return, they received a young Jared Allen, who's 23 years old and Teron Prince, a phenomenal role player. Um, Cleveland just kind of came out of nowhere and snuck that, snuck that out, which I still don't understand how they, received all that for trading away very little. Um, but I mean, I think Cleveland in the end is going to be a little bit of a winner in this trade just because, I mean, picking up you know, a young star like that and Jared Allen and now having the flexibility to trade away someone like Andre Drummond um, for maybe some young stars and some picks. Yeah, absolutely. They have, they have a lot of centers now. I don't know what the, what the, what the Cavs are going to do, but they, I mean, they've got what they have Bolden. They've got love. Obviously they have Drummond. They just have a lot of JaVale a lot McGee. of JaVel McGee. They have a lot of centers on this team. So I mean a lot of height and so I don't know what they're necessarily gonna do with 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 that. I don't know. They can't keep everyone. They need more guards. But he's a very talented player. I've always you know and that's where that's where the Nets not necessarily lose on this trade, but they, they do lose defense on this trade and and rebounding and that Jared Allen brings, so I think the Cavs is a great pickup. Yeah, absolutely. Now, obviously, you're a Celtics fan. Um, And from a Celtics fan point of view, um, Andre Drummond obviously is a defense and rebounding threat. Um, If if the trade was available, not saying this is something Cleveland would do because they already have uh, their two-guard front and Sexland, obviously Colin Sexland, Sexton, excuse me, and you have Darius Garland. but if the trade proposal came around and, you know, 
Kemba is fully healthy. Are you taking a maybe a Kemba and, and a few picks for someone like Andre Drummond if you're Boston? I think so. Personally, the the Celtics need it. We need a center. We have we have a great power forward in in, in Tristan Thompson. I think he's. I, I don't know if he can he can play the center role, but I think if we just got just a solid center, just like Drummond and. I think I'd be willing to give up a player like Kemba. We already have a lot of offensive firepower and young offensive firepower with with Tatum and, and Brown. But we also have uh, young guards as well that can play. Um, Pridget's proving that he can play. He can get some minutes. And Teague has been playing good as well, which down when the playoffs come, it's going to be tough. You can't have, you know, that many backup point guards. I don't know. I don't know how, you know, Teague and – And you're kind of missing yeah, out on guys out. sitting on the bench like that. Right, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're kind of wasting that talent that's sitting on the bench. So why not pick up another good center? Because now, you know, if, if you can make that trade for Andre Drummond, you know, now you have Andre Drummond and TT at your four and five. And then off your bench, you're gonna have Tyus and Robert Williams, you know, running your four or five. So at that point, you know, you're having a solid bench connection for each position as far as Jeff Teague at your one, Peyton Pritchard sitting there around your one. Of course, you got Grant Williams and a lot of guys like that who are able to play and, and proved it in the playoffs last year. Simi Ojale has definitely been coming around. Um, he's obviously a 3 and D player, um, very strong, and a, honestly a pretty good defensive player for as young as he is, um, and really developing his shots. So, yeah, I think Boston, if they could pick up Andre Drummond, that would be big. Um, now moving over to the Pacers, the last team that participated in this trade. Um, how do you feel about the Pacers? You know, I mean, picking up Karis LeVert, obviously Karis LeVert going through his physical. They found a – I'm pretty sure it was a small – some sort of small growing or something like that on his, I can't remember if his, I think it was his kidney or possibly his, uh, I think it was his kidney or something along the lines of that. Um, an MRI show that. So that's obviously a pretty significant thing. And I mean, how do you, what do you think the Pacers are thinking about that? Obviously giving up Victor Lodipo, someone who's been there quite some time and now picking up a young star like Karis Levert. Well, uh, I heard a lot of stuff about, you know, with Victor Lodipo obviously wanting to leave, he wants out of there and, and, they were – I'm glad they just got something out of it. There's something out of the Victor Oladipo because it was, you know, close to being, you know what, they're just going to lose Victor. You know, and that's a big – that's a, I mean, that's a big part of the of the Pacers. But if I had to choose a, the winners and losers of this, of this trade, if I had to, I would probably say the Pacers just because of who they lost versus who they gained. Levert's a great player, and, and I, I do think he's a good player, but – if I had to choose winners and losers of this trade, I'd go. Obviously, the Nets would be the winners, or or Rockets be the winners. But I would have to choose. I think the Pacers would be the losers of this trade. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, it it's we just gotta you know gotta, gotta give it time, right? As far as the Pacers go, who knows? Maybe Karis LeVert does turn into that young star they want and stays healthy like they wanted out of Victor Lodipo. I think that was the biggest thing with Victor was he just really couldn't stay healthy with that young talent in um in Indiana which is which was tough um obviously Houston making the trade for Victor Lodipo I think the biggest reason was that is they didn't want to get held up you know with extra cap room Karis LeVert signed that four year extension with Brooklyn this year so uh and Victor Lodipo only has one left year on his contract so I think that was a good move for Houston too just because I don't think obviously trading away your best player you are not you are now not in a win now state um and Victor wanting to go to a team, like he said last year, or I guess during the offseason, um, 
where he feels like he has the potential of winning, right? He wants to go somewhere where it's a win-now state. Now, Houston might not be that move. Um, obviously, Victor's, in my opinion, is probably going to go somewhere else in free agency. Who knows where? But yeah, time will tell who the winners are. As of right now, I mean, you could argue all four of the teams were winners just because the Pacers were obviously allowed to ship off Victor Lodipo, who they're probably going to lose anyway in the offseason, pick up someone who's most likely going to be there long term. The Rockets now got a bunch of picks, a ton of cap space to work with. I even see rumors now they're trying to trade away P.J. Tucker um, just to free up more of that cap space. Um, and then the Cavs coming out of nowhere and receiving um, Jared Allen and Trump Prince. Uh, and then obviously Brooklyn needs to win a finals in order to become a winner, right? I mean, Eastern Conference Finals, even losing in the finals isn't going to be enough for this for this Brooklyn team um, to be, I guess, announced in this trade as winners, more or less. All right. Um, yep, just a couple more minutes left on this guy. Uh, just to kind of finish off the, the end of this podcast, kind of run me through who you think is going to be the true contenders out of the West and your prediction for the Eastern Conference Finals matchup, the Western Conference Finals matchup, and in the end, of course, the Finals matchup. Uh, personally, I think the Lakers Lakers are coming out of, of, of the West. I think, I think the Clippers are going to be tough this year. Obviously, looking for revenge of what happened um, last year. Um, but yeah, absolutely embarrassing. West. I mean, just, just so disappointing. But um, I think the Lakers are going to come out again. And if, like I said before, if 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 Curry, if Curry, I mean, if if Thompson doesn't get hurt, I think that that the that the Warriors are just right back into it, just another contender again. But unfortunately, you know, with with that team, um, you know, Thompson's out. That's that just takes them right out of out of you know contenders. But I just don't see anyone else in the West that is tough enough to to stick with with the Lakers. And just a little bit, little bit off topic here. Do you think Kevin Durant's looking back and maybe regretting a little bit? Like, mm, maybe I should have just stayed with Golden State with a stable franchise, a very selfless guard like Steph Curry, a good coach, a good owner, and Jerry West. I mean, do you think he's looking back on that maybe a little bit and being like, man, maybe I should have just stayed in Golden State um, and hung around there and maybe could have possibly competed for a, another championship um, in a stable organization? Like in a situation like this, time time is the only thing that's going to be able to to tell with this one. Um, I think right now, I think he's pretty happy, especially after this, after what's gone down with with um, with Harden coming to to the Nets. But for me personally, I don't know why you would leave that situation whatsoever. I mean, you could win, you could win three, four more finals, you know, minus the factor of. Even Clay being out, they're they're such a strong team. If they have KD and Kyrie and I mean KD and 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 Curry, like that's that's just such a strong team. Even without Clay, I mean Clay with Clay, they, I think it wouldn't even be close. Like I think they would have such a tough series with the Lakers. I but I think they'd win. I really do. Mm-hmm. But and obviously I mean, they'd have Wiseman again too. I mean KD didn't play last year. Steph didn't and Clay didn't. So they probably would have had Wiseman. So with that dynamic having Steph. Maybe Clay, even if Clay's out, you still have Andrew Wiggins. You're still pulling around Kevin Durant. And then also on top of that, you know, you, you have a player like Jameis Wiseman at your center and Draymond. Yeah, I think he would flourish. Now, moving on to the Eastern Conference, who do you see in that Eastern Conference final matchup? And who do you see coming out of the Eastern Conference? My toss-up is 100% against the Arab. I think it's going to be the Celtics and and the Nets. Um, 
But I also see the Nets just, just they can completely you know throw this great opportunity away with with bad chemistry as well and and big personalities and Kyrie if he just you know whatever he's gonna figure out what he's gonna do and just just retire whatever he I don't even know what he's gonna do but and but I think the Celtics are just gonna be you know obviously I'm a little biased I'm a little biased but the Celtics are just a tough they're a tough team and I think that they have a, a real good shot at at you know, so my pick would be the Celtics this year. And, you know, plus a little bias. <laughs> of course. And I think the Celtics are in a similar situation as Brooklyn to try to figure out, you know, where their guard as far as Kimba and Kyrie, how that pans out, right? If Kimba can stay healthy, if the Celtics might chip off Kimba, I think that's the two things between Brooklyn and Boston is just trying to pan out and figure out What's going to happen with with their guards, right? I think that's going to be a big reliance on how deep these teams can make a run into the playoffs. Just because if Kimba can stay healthy, um, I still think the Celtics have a good shot, right? It's always nice having an extra scorer on your team, someone that you can rely on to get buckets. Um, but yeah, Kimba's health is going to be the biggest thing. And obviously Kyrie's health and mental health is going to be a big thing for Brooklyn. Um, obviously, you got Boston and LA matched up in the finals for you. Um, how do you think Boston matches up with um, LA obviously if they got Andre Drummond having someone who can defend Anthony Davis would be huge but let's say the Celtics in the current state with Kemba Walker let's say they make it there with a healthy Kemba how do you see the Celtics matching up with LA and honestly how far do you see that series going between Boston and LA because the, that'd be great for the NBA having a Celtics Lakers rivalry again but yeah how far I mean how do you think those two teams match up uh, I think the matchup's interesting to me at least I think it's it's so interesting just because just solely based on um you know, the history of it, obviously, but, but you got to look at the past of when, when the Celtics have um, matched up against LeBron, you know, cause LeBron's obviously the biggest talk of LA. They've got, they got Anthony Davis, but if you flash back to when Tatum was a rookie and, and that, that year um, with, with Jalen Brown as well, um, when they, when they brought Cleveland to game seven and how they, how they played against LeBron and, and obviously LeBron didn't have, you know, um, this, the, the weapons that he does now, I mean, arguably he had, he had great weapons when he was at the Cavs, but this, this LA team is just, there's so many good role players on this team that I think it's beyond that team. But anyways, I think that we got a more experienced Jason Tatum playing against LeBron and you have a, um, you have a better Jalen Brown. You have, I think you're upgraded in so many positions. Very developed. Right. Very Very developed. developed. Absolutely. That it's like, Okay, now the Celtics are, you know, in the talk. But if I had to put money on, if I had to choose, I'd, I'd probably go with the with the Lakers. Um, as much as it unfortunately, yeah, uh, I, yeah, of course, I I agree with that. All right, so that was the Sauce MQ podcast. Thank you everybody for joining today. Um, once again, I want to thank Charles Burns for hopping on today and um, hanging out with us. It was great having you on, Charles, and I look forward to having you on again. All right. Thanks, Sauce. Thanks for having me on. Hopefully, I, uh, I'm a, re- a reoccurring guest here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Once again, this is Sauce McHugh Podcast. Thanks for everyone for tuning in. And um, I hope you guys have a great weekend. Have a good one.